Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. Today, my guest is Karen Leak. She is living currently in Ohio, near Cleveland in Maple Heights, right? Yep, yep. Maple Heights. In Ohio. Um, I met Karen when, I, when we were both starting off as young engineers uh, at BP at British Petroleum, the, re- the research center there in, in, in Cleveland. Welcome, Karen. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So excited to be here. I know. It's wonderful talking with you. Um, so you are, just tell us, tell the audience, who is Karen Leake? Who, tell them about yourself. So Karen is a, I'm, I'm, my training is mechanical engineering. That's, that's how um, I got the opportunity at British Petroleum, uh, started North Carolina a HBCU grad. Um, I'm passionate about filling gaps that uh, I feel I had in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, our whole point in getting together today is to talk about STEM. Mm-hmm. And as um, a professional, I found that uh, the world wasn't ready for people like Michelle, Michelle and myself. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And so today I work very hard to uh, change that narrative and to make sure that people have those uh, skills and tools needed that sometimes aren't shared with us. So I'm passionate about that. Um, I'm a wife and mother and um, a, a Black woman who's proud of her history and pulls on her history for strength and her faith to get through um, whatever may come my way. Absolutely. And I, I always tell whoever I'm talking about, when, when I um, share what makes me who I am, I always talk about, talk about my faith. And I always mention my friend, Karen, who, when I was moving to West Virginia from Cleveland, told me, oh, Michelle, just find a church and you'll be okay. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. And it really has made an impact in my life. So I know you're a woman of of faith for sure. Yeah. And I'll just add to that. It's amazing how God can take a simple comment Mm -hmm. and just grow from that. that I see in front of me today was <laughs> phenomenal by any means phenomenal thank you when you think of how we were at British Petroleum <laughs> and where you are today it is amazing and it is miraculous and so um, I appreciate you mentioning that but oh my goodness how God can move just by a few suggestions amen amen to that so you are a mechanical engineer. Um, how did you decide to be an, become an engineer? And talk about how your career has, has you know, evolved. So my mother is a, was an educator. And she used to buy me these books about jobs and things like that. And so I was the only child. And when I got bored, believe it or not, I was going through these books. <laughs> First, I wanted to be a doctor, right? Everybody wants to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm a doctor. Well, one of these books said that to be a doctor, you had this much education, then you had this, and then you had this, and you had this. It added up to like 10 or 15 years. I was like, ooh, <laughs> a long time. And so 
Then I had just uh, been at one of these programs where this guy was an engineer. He came in this three-piece suit and he was talking about, you know, science and math. That's, you know, the combination. And uh, he talked about what he'd done with DuPont because I was living in Wilmington, Delaware. And so um, I looked up, you know, engineers. I was like, oh, only four years. You could do something with four years. <laughs> and you make a decent salary. I was like, I think I want to be an engineer. And I was in eighth grade. Wow. A, wow. Um, initially, I wanted to be a chemical engineer. I had one of those little chemistry sets at home and everything. And I wanted to do that. Uh, but I found that was a little more difficult. So <laughs> I started to mechanical engineers because I've always been fascinated with how things work, how, you, how the inside pieces work together and fit together and function. Mm -hmm. So... Um, do you want me to go into my career as, as well as? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, so I started my career after graduate. So, so, so full disclosure, um, undergrad didn't do as well as I probably should have with my GPA. And so I was ready to take any job that uh, I could. But uh, like I said, walking with God is important. And it just so happened I was, at the time I was working at a pizza restaurant and still uh, trying to find my first real job. One of my instructors came into the pizza restaurant, said, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm interviewing, trying to find, he said, go to grad school. I was like, grad school? I'm not going to get in grad school. He said, sure you will. I'll write you a letter. Wrote me a letter, got me into grad school. I was able to pull together and identify my strengths. Because up until then, you know, you have a lot of broad education, but going to grad school helped me identify my strengths. And so that changed me and it opened doors of opportunity. From there, I ended up getting a job at, at British Petroleum in the research facility, got to meet some fabulous people that are still wonderful friends of mine today. Um, from there, uh, our facility decided that they were going to, uh, to close. And so um, we were consequently let go. And that was within starting the first two years at, at, at uh, British Petroleum. That taught me is one, you can't put all your faith into a job. Um, two, we were given an opportunity to go to an outplacement facility, which taught us all about um, interviewing and you know the whole game, how you network and all of that, which is something that has been with me my entire career and I've been very good at. So from there, um, find found the next job, um, started my family, um, job, job, different skills. What I found, regardless of where I worked, is that usually I was one, the only uh, woman, uh, the only African-American. Um, I was the only. And while I adapted to that, it disturbed me because I knew that there were more people who study, eat, study better than I did, have better GPAs and everything. So I'm like, where are these people? Where are they disappearing to? And so um, I kind of got interested in, well, what's happening with the next generation and going into the classrooms. And I found that many uh, Black children in, in particular had no idea about STEM careers, which was um, amazing to me because that's technology is where everything is headed. So if we don't know how we connect in that space, that's going to leave a lot of us out in the open and, and out, um, out of opportunity. So I got interested in STEM, got involved in FIRST Robotics, um, became a judge there. 
saw what was going on. Because here's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize that when STEM was put together, the whole concept, it was a governmental um, concept and it was specific for Black folk. I but didn't we realize that. Yes, okay. yes. We didn't come to the table and so it spread out. So diverse went from Black folk okay. to other groups. So that's 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 what I was told. That's what I had seen. So um, I'm interested in getting us back at the table, getting our, our feet there, helping support um, young people so that they can be successful. So is that what, because your, your current job seems really cool, early career engineering development. What is that? Describe that. What, what, it sounds like a really exciting job for some reason. I, <laughs> I just can feel it. Yeah. It, it is it is an exciting job. So um, so that was actually my previous role. My, my role now is the early career program manager. But regardless, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, it, what I had an opportunity to do up until December was to craft a program that sought high school students interested in engineering or computer science. It's like what grade in high school? I'm sorry? What grade in high school? 11th grade. 11th, okay. Um, I thought going a little further back might be problematic. So 11th grade, 11th grade through freshman college, because that's kind of the window where you don't get real internships. Mm-hmm. My experience is that these young people had the skill to do the things that we are doing. We don't want to admit it. So I brought some young people in and I was like, okay, this is not going to be a science project. This isn't going to be anything that you can get in your classroom. This is going to be a real work experience. Mm-hmm. Bring them in, give them the project. We, we, we formulate kind of like first rule, given a challenge and you're given like eight weeks to solve it. And it's up to the, the students, in this case, the interns, for them to figure out how they're going to do it, what solution they're going to put and having conversations with their customer, which is the, the engineering team. Mm-hmm. So, I've been uh, doing this job now for about uh, five, six years, and we've had incremental success just every year, year after year. The first time we started with a cost saving, a cost reduction project, right? Everybody wants cost reduction. Mm -hmm. And a cost reduction, you got to look at all different areas and you've got to figure out how we're going to cut costs, right? So that was my first team thing. By having that kind of project that add values to the team, as well as to the interns, um, that turned a light bulb on to other people. And they were like, hey, you know what? We've got, um, we've got software programs that have anomalies that need to be fixed. Why don't we see how they do with that? So from that point on, we would have them work with our security team. We work with um, some of our te- uh, software test teams, and they actually have software code small bits of it, but um, they troubleshoot, they find out what the problems are, they become an integral part of the team. And it really is like your first job, how you kind of like thrown in there, you're given some support, but you're kind of thrown in there and you learn as you stumble. And it's a safe place to stumble because we want to see how you get up and how you keep moving. So is it all at one company or is it like a group of companies where they You're speaking into my future, right? (laughs) (laughs) So right now it is one company, Um, but that could change. 
because I see this as uh, uh, an integral part of all companies, especially when you're talking about computer science. Mm -hmm. um, we're developers, we can't get enough. Um, I think the statistic is as of 2020, we only have enough people to, to fill 40% of the need. And so- Is that why so much outsourcing occurs? Like the other- well, That's even with outsourcing, that's nationwide. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's nationwide. And, that's and, nationwide. and like internationally as well? Wow. Well, let me take that back. So definitely the US, and I believe we're you trying to figure out how we can use international um, resources mm -hmm. in order to fill the, that need. Okay. And so that's an opportunity because I run into young people all the time, doesn't matter what school, they have hacked into their, um, what is it they're using? Um, they're, whatever their video, whatever they're using now, I can't even think of the names of them. Um, but they've hacked into it some kind of way. They've looked at a YouTube video, how to reprogram uh, their controller or how to reprogram this, that, and the other. And they don't know that they can get, have a career based on that. Kind of like transfer those skills to like a, exactly, a career. Exactly. Yeah. And so once I can open that door to the possibility and then bring them into that space where they can actually learn what it is that they, that they just did, that can help them find confidence. One of my favorite stories is a young lady. Um, and, and in addition to this, I go into schools and I talk to students. Um, one young lady, I met her freshman year in high school. And, you know, she and her friend, they just giggled and, you know, everything. And they asked me all these questions. And I said, well, when you get into 11th grade, let me know and we will, uh, we'll, we'll see about getting you an opportunity. And so sure enough, 11th grade came and I'm interviewing her. She happened to be Asian. She said, um, she kept looking at me and she said, are you really an engineer? I was like, yeah, why would I lie, right? She said for her, her family had told her that women couldn't be an engineer. Wow. And so I had to hire her, right? I <laughs> disproved that. Mm -hmm. And so the, the wonderful thing is to see her come in and not only did she have that messaging from home, even in her school, in the school district she was in, there were teachers that were telling her you know, you don't compete with X school. You know, they got this. You don't have this. You can't compete. You're not going to ever be such and such. So when I'm she- amazed that people job, are still speaking to kids like that. Yes, yes, yes. And we don't know if we're not there. That's the thing. We don't know if we're not there. So when she um, came into the program, she for a long time would just sit and, you know, figure that she wasn't good enough and such and such. And I had many conversations. The difference is, Someone in another school district or something may have a parent who's already in this space, who's already training their children from the time they walk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That is the difference. Or the school might have more funding to have these programs that other schools can't afford to have. That's the only difference. So I'm giving you these kind of experiences because you can learn it too. And she's been with me now since 2016. She'll graduate next year and she has an opportunity to start with our company. Even if she does not, she's got skills that can take her where she wants to go. Awesome, awesome. So like how many kids are a part of this program? Like, do you have them by cohorts? So, so I generally hire about uh, 10 each year. 10 a year, okay. The goal is for them to move on to our traditional intern and co-ops. Um, sometimes that takes a little bit longer than others. Um, it's to me an issue of equity, right? We're not necessarily going to give everybody the same thing. Some people may take a little longer. And I'm 
have to put that energy behind uh, that program. I mean, that, that, that individual. Mm-hmm. So, um, some people may take a little longer. Some people may transition it earlier, but the goal is to get them into a place where they can be seen by the rest of the company and then uh, have an opportunity when they graduate um, from college. So, so is your company um, unique in this or are there other uh, companies in Ohio that are doing similar? That have well, similar I, would, I would suggest that it's not as unique as it was when I started and I did not come up with the concept. So there was a gentleman at the company that came up with the idea. Clevelanders love to stay in Cleveland. So let's start this program. Mm-hmm. Um, because the need, especially for computer science, is huge. Um, the idea is if we start with someone very young, you, you build loyalty because, you know, you're creating this opportunity. They're learning our stuff. So you're building part of a community and, you know, that it launches from there. So that's kind of the fundamental uh, thought. But I think other companies are doing this. So as something, well. a version of it, something similar. You they just don't have me to do it. That's I you know, know that's, of course it's not the same, <laughs> right? Because it, it it does take a lot, and it takes it it, it takes um it, it takes an empathetic manager, mm-hmm. takes um, looking into their situation and understanding, or even seeing strengths that they may not see themselves, and then kind of you know coaching them to that point, right? And, you know, launching them. And so it, it takes a different kind of view that everybody's not willing to do. Oh yeah, yeah. It takes a special person to kind of, just to be um, inspiring and, and, you know, bringing out of them what they didn't even know they had, kind of like stirring up the gifts, right? Yes. Um, talk about first robotics. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that a couple of times. What, what is that program about? So FIRST Robotics is an international program that um, has uh, robotic competitions actually from K to 12. So they have different types of levels. So for, uh, I think your K to five, you might have just Lego um, robots that you put together. Um, they have like an intermediate, intermediate team that has slightly larger um, robots that you might program that you uh, take through a uh, a field and you compete some kind of way. The highest level are the, the, the large robots. These are 60K or more, uh, which is why some of our inner city kids don't get an opportunity to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's the same concept that they get a challenge. They understand what their field is going to be and they know that they get to compete and try to, um, to be the, the winners for uh, whatever competition that is. Um, the cool thing about it is they try to instill, uh, yes, it's a competition, but it's not a competition to the point where we want to, you know, like, we just want to rub you out. No, it's <laughs> a competition where everybody tries to share ideas. Everybody tries to support one another. And, you know, whether you the, this is your first time competing or your 50th time, they literally go around, um, like, for example, we have uh, a Buckeye Regional. And in the Buckeye Regional, I would guess that there are like 50 or more teams that um, participate. Members from each team literally walk around to see the other teams to see, are you missing any tools? Can we help you with this? Would you like some advice? We can suggest this. So the concept is that yes, we're trying to win, 
But at the same time, we don't want to win at the expense of someone else, if that makes sense. That's teaching them some great team building. And yeah, and it's a great program. Um, you can look first robotics up on the internet and you'll see more about it. We're kind of, of course, because of COVID, like everything else, it's a different situation right now. But this keeping it strong, keeping that concept strong. Right. And what else is cool about it? Mm -hmm. um, they're learning programming. They're learning how to use controllers, sensors. I mean, they, these are real robots. Real world, real world skills, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're learning these things. And so that's why it's a good place for me to recruit in addition some, to some other places. Good, good, good. So you're, so what, how, how has, the percentage of, you know, the numbers of people of color in STEM changed as you have, you know, grown in your career? Like what changes have you seen? Is it getting better? I mean, is, are we about the same in terms of the prevalence of people that so, look like us in, in STEM? Yeah, so um, when you look at numbers as far as Department of Labor and how they track it, um, there was a spike years ago when, when I came out of college and it has definitely gone down from there wow. and not really improved much since then. And I have a few theories, um, as to why, um, but I can't focus just on the why I've got to figure out the, what, how we, how we get that moving again. Wow. Um, and so inspiring, inspiring young people to even see themselves in that space. I see myself as a billboard. You know, I was not the top, you know, person in high school, but I knew that I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to be an engineer. So I found the right opportunity and I worked hard to get there. And so uh, sharing those stories with young people and inspiring them and supporting them, um, hope to see some, some, different, some difference there, but we've got a long way to go. It, but it's also a great opportunity, right? Because the way I look at it, if I can help provide, um, a, a job, I'm not just affecting that individual, I'm affecting their family and their community. And so it's an opportunity for real growth, especially among the African-American community. So, and, and anyone listening, I challenge our churches to, to tag in on some of this because I bet you there's somebody or someone that knows somebody that has even a mechanic, you know, that knows, um, that likes to tinker that can help sponsor, you know, some involvement in these kinds of programs. Um, there's a program called, uh, there's a site called code.org where you can spend an hour learning how to write code. Um, all of these things are valuable. And if we can demonstrate to our children how valuable these skills are, uh, we might be able to turn some things around. And to, just the awareness, because parents may not even be aware yeah, and they don't need to be afraid, right? Because some people say, oh, I don't know. I wasn't good at such and such. That's fine. Fine, yeah. Opportunity. And maybe you can learn something too because the need for coders especially is so big. They would take, you know, they would take just about anybody with an interest that has taken time to learn how to write code. Right, right. So um, I know the pandemic has a, been affecting us all. Do you see um, an impact of the pandemic on young people of color and their interest in, in STEM careers based on just everything about the pandemic and 
seeing more public health workers and then seeing people like Dr. Kizzy, Kizmekia Corbett. Do you think that that could influence the number of people interested in STEM? Absolutely, because people like that are, are like um, the Avengers, right? They're real life Avengers. And we're seeing what they're doing. We're hearing what they're doing. We're seeing, you know, people are sharing stories nationally about how uh, some person's work is affecting the whole world, is saving the world. So these are real people that um, young people can see. They can see the pictures. They can see uh, Dr. Corbett and, and, and see her, other people give her accolades. Um, they can see them doing that. And so, yeah, I absolutely, my hope is that it will inspire even more. And even beyond that, those of us that are in this space, the more we can get into the classrooms and share, because I, myself, I was the eyeball in my family. <laughs> I, was, I was intrigued by different kinds of things. So um, I was the eyeball. It's okay. It's okay. I embrace my nerdiness, my quirkiness, my whatever, because it helps me be successful at what I do today. And when we can share that message, they might not feel like such the outsider and recognize, oh, this is the same kind of thinking and method methodic method that uh, a Dr. Corbett would use, or, or this is how they would view this, or maybe they see numbers, or maybe they see statistics. Maybe that's how they interpret the world, and that's okay, and it's needed. And it's cool, because a lot of times, like, if someone say, oh, you're good at Excel. I was like, I'm really an undercover nerd. I would just kind of make it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm to be cool, but I'm really a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So what do you wish, what do you wish you, you knew when you first started in engineering? What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? I wish I knew what my strengths were back then. I didn't. And without knowing my strengths, I allowed others to tell me what I could and could not do. Mm -hmm. So what are, you want to share some of those strengths? Okay, so my, my superpower is that I am able to um, see connections that other people might not see. So if I'm sitting in a, in a meeting and uh, different people are talking about different topics, sometimes I'll just throw in something that seems so bizarre, but in my mind, there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. And it's communicated in a way so that you can see how the work that you're doing is affecting this person, is working with this. And if we could pull them together, well, then that's going to uh, help us put together a better product, a better program, a better anything that you're working on. I do that very, very well. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm intuitive. I listen to people and I can see things that, you know, going back to faith, I see things in their spirit sometimes. Mm. And, you know, they don't always have to tell me all of it, but sometimes they feel comfortable enough to do that. And when I see things in their spirit, I just say something like, okay, I'm going to start asking some questions. I'm an engineer. If I offend you, just let me know and I'll stop. Mm. But I'm going to start with a series of things because I'm, I'm feeling that there's a something that's not quite right. Right, right, right. Entering that space and keeping it confidential and helping people and helping them be the best that they can be because that's what I wish that I had had. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what, set, what sets your soul on fire? Ooh. <laughs> oh my goodness. There, there's a long list. So 
Um, of course, it's, it's going to be faith-based. And I don't know if you got to see uh, the PBS special about the Black church, but oh my goodness. I haven't I'm, seen it yet. Yeah. You have got to watch that because I love history. I love our history in particular. Some people want to shy away from the slavery part, but oh my gosh, when you see those stories and you really understand what they did and how they overcame, they were all superheroes. Mm-hmm. Some call myself Harriet Tubman because I feel like I'm in the woods trying to get through. <laughs> and I pull on that energy. So I, I absolutely love the, 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 the narrative of how our faith helped us along and continues to, to, to uh, help us along. We have to reassess, I think, what, where we put limitations because in my mind, Christ was here. I'm just gonna put it out there. Christ was here for us all. His whole point, his whole being was to re- unite us, not put divisions. Not at all. Right? So how can we continue that message to bring together people, people, black, white, green, yellow, whatever, people. Because fundamentally, we all have the same desires. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, we have all kinds of the same wishes and everything. The challenges we have, we all have poverty issues. We've got issues with family where you have substance abuse, you've got mental illness. All of these things we all have. And instead of it's those people, it's all of us. It's all of us. So 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 true. Any parting words? We could go on for the next hour with (laughs) any any parting words. Um been a pleasure catching up and hearing about your STEM life. Thank you. Um, goodness, parting words. Um, I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for all that God has blessed me with and hope to continue to um, enlighten other lives and, and bring joy to people um, just with whatever gifts God gives to me. Um, mm-hmm. Thankful for good friends. And, and anyone listening, a good friend is somebody that you might not be in touch with every week or every month or even years, but once they pick up that phone, you're there. <laughs> That's a friend. And so thankful for that. Um, I just say as a community, let's continue to inspire our young people and, and set, set the bar high, not low. Mm-hmm. Set high. And then, you know, be there to kind of give them the support as they climb. Absolutely. And, yeah, I'm looking for great things. All righty. Always positive. Thank you so much, Karen. And, <laughs> and, and you, you, you got to stop when you come through Charleston next time. I know. I, I know. So, you know what? I, need to just, I need to just plan a trip where we come down there because it's not that far. It, it's know? not. It's far. Not, so. so I just have to do it. Have to do All it. All righty. Nice chatting with you. Yes. Thank you, you so much. Have a great work. Thank you. Uh-huh. Trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.